Hello everyone and welcome to the Champions Cast here on ZeldaDungeon.net. My name is Andy Spateria, joined as always by Allison Aletha. Al, how are you doing? I'm doing, um, I'm not sure yet. I think we're going to talk about it today. I don't, I don't know how to feel exactly just yet. Well, that's fair. That's fair. Um, let's just, let's make it known right at the top of this show. If the episode of this, or if the title of this episode wasn't enough, then I'm going to just beat it over repeatedly. Um, there is going to be spoilers for the entirety of Age of Calamity. Every single story aspect is going to get spoiled. If you haven't beat it, if you haven't beat it, I don't know why you clicked on this. Um, but if for some reason you did this by accident and you've listened to this by accident and you have not beaten Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity, turn back, get out, because Allison and I are going to be going over it with a fine toothed comb, uh, talking about all of the different plot points there. So yeah, Allison, I have, I have a lot of thoughts. You have a lot of thoughts. Um, before we get into uh, business, though, we should mention another little piece of Zelda Dungeon business that we want to make everybody aware of. Um, Friday, December the 11th, we are launching what we are calling the never-ending Zelda stream. This is going to be taking place live on Zelda Dungeon's Twitch channel. Um, of course, it will end at some point, but uh, it, it's gonna it's gonna be a cool stream with a few uh, a few gimmicks attached to it here. Um, the stream is going to be a minimum of eight hours playing The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask, and this is kind of like a subscriber-a-thon. Is that what they call those events in, in the Twitch world, Alice? Subscriber-a-thon? Yeah, something like that. I'm not too sure. I I, I didn't delve that deep into uh, Twitch because I'm not a partner or anything, but I like the sound of it. Well, it's going to be a subscriber-a-thon, and uh, the goal, I guess, is to stream for somewhere in the neighborhood of like 24 to uh, 30 hours, and there's going to be uh, an additional 15 minutes of gameplay added on for each new subscription. So, um, yeah, head over to uh, to the Twitch channel, December 11th. Um, I don't know exactly what time we're starting here, but I'm sure that we'll have some details over on the site. And, uh, you know, it'll be it'll be a fun time. And you can watch Mossy's play Majora's Mask. He's not very good at Zelda games, I don't think. So it's kind of fun just to watch him be bad <laughs> at games. That's, that's my favorite thing about watching him stream. Yeah, fair enough. And he's going to have lots of commentators, too. A bunch of people from the staff are going to be stopping in and chatting with him, making sure he stays awake, yes. but also interacting with the chat as well. Yes, we, uh, Allison, over on the virtual theater channel, we're having a movie night on the uh, on the eleventh. So I might pop in after uh, the the movie that we're watching is done, and uh, Gooey and I are are going to be having a little bit of bubbly. So I think we'll come and keep Mossy's company after we're done. So that should that's, be fun. <laughs> that's great. Sounds like a good time. It will be a good time, uh, and we're going to have a good time today because we are talking about spoilers. And all of the spoilers in the story of Age of Calamity. Um, Allison, when did you finish Age of Calamity? <laughs> I finished it at like 2 o'clock in the morning yesterday, like Saturday morning, because I needed to push through. I was one of those people that wanted to do everything before continuing on with the like story level, but um, I quickly realized that 
that was like impossible if I wanted to finish it on time to talk about it today. So I had to skip all that side stuff and push through the story. And I did so in the middle of the night. So that was great. <laughs> well, I finished it. Um, let's see. Maybe last weekend I finished it. And um, I just got the quote unquote secret ending last night. So I, I also have a lot of thoughts. Um, I just want to, I just want to make it abundantly clear one last time. This is going to be spoilers galore. So if, if for whatever reason you're still here, bookmark this and, uh, and come back and listen to it after you're done. This is your last warning. This is your last chance. All right, let's, let's get into it, Al. And let's just kind of jump around here and start with the, the, the biggest plot moments because I'm I'm almost still unsure what the story of, of Age of Calamity was actually about but um, I guess what I wanted to I guess what I want to start off with is like I remember playing Breath of the Wild and being really weary about seeing spoilers and stuff and then when you play the game there's not really any spoilers to be found I don't think like the maybe the big spoiler is that the champions have died um, previously, but I mean, other than that, you kind of just fight Ganon and you save Zelda, and like that's kind of the story of the game. There wasn't really any major spoilers, and like I feel sort of like that to a lesser extent with Age of Calamity because there, I mean, obviously there are moments that are big spoilers in this game, but like on on the whole, I feel like a lot of this was just like, oh, okay, well, like nothing of consequence actually really happened, like. A lot of the questions that I had weren't really answered, so I, I don't know. Did, did you get that same kind of vibe? And I'll obviously, I'll elaborate on this when we kind of get to the specific moments, but it, yeah, I, I don't know. that For me, it just it kind of felt like the same kind of vibe, where it was like, I was really worried about this getting spoiled or that getting spoiled, and like there, there wasn't anything... I think if I would have been told the ending to this game like three weeks ago, I would have probably been fine. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. And I think what it really is, is that I was worried about getting spoiled about what I thought was going to happen in this game. And since what I thought was going to happen didn't, um, any kind of spoilers that I would have gotten would have been like, oh, okay, that that's the direction the game went. And therefore, it's hard to say without getting into details and I know that we will. It's just, I, I understand what you mean. It's going to, it didn't feel spoiler be, because we were expecting one thing and that one thing didn't happen. So that's how I kind of felt about it. Okay. Well, I mean, I don't even know where to start here. We could start in a couple different directions. They all kind of weave <laughs> together here, but um, you know what? Why don't we start with, why don't we start with like, the, the the biggest I say I, I think spoiler in the game and that is the the champions of new coming back through time to defend the champions of old from you know basically dying um you know what I I have so I mean it was kind of abundantly clear when you were playing the demo and you saw BBG go back through time that there was going to be some some time travel shenanigans here but I, I was kind of hopeful that it was going to, you know, it, that eventually it would it would be a big circle where like you just you couldn't escape the calamity actually happening, and you know it we would all end up back to the same point because I mean this game is marketed as see what happens a hundred years before the events of Breath of the Wild 
and I don't really think that this game is about that. But yeah, well, let's let's just back up before we get there. And I think that this is probably the biggest spoiler in the game when the new champions come backwards through time to save the champions at the critical moments. Um, you know what? I I'm gonna beat up on some aspects of this game, but I actually I really loved this scene, uh, particularly. Sidon and Mifa, seeing them together and like watching Mifa look at her older or younger brother, who is now this hulking Zora from the future, was a really special moment. Um, I actually I thought that almost all of the interactions, Urbosa and Riju, was was really nice. Uh, Daruk and Yonobo I thought was really nice. Maybe the only one I thought was lacking a little bit was um, Rivalini and Taba, but as a moment, I was like, you know, I've been advocating for a long, long, long time. That we need to see, like, the the heroic demise, basically, of the champions. And I think that, you know, as much as I wanted to see that, of course, when that moment is actually happening, you don't want to see that, right? Because you love these characters. So when the new champions travel backwards through time to save them, I was just like, yeah! And when Link finally gets there and you're fighting the Blights, um, that was awesome. I loved that moment. I, I loved it as a moment. I don't ne- I don't know if I necessarily loved it as like a as like an overall story, if that makes sense. But I I was kind of I was kind of into it when they came backwards through time, and like it was cool getting to to see the new champions and the old champions interact. Uh, what did you think of this, L? Um, I want to also preface this by saying I do really like the game. I had a fun time. The story, I enjoyed the story. Um, my only problem is like what you said with the marketing. I feel like we were told something and it wasn't that at all. And at first I wasn't mad about it. I literally, I literally texted you and I was like, you know, this is ex- turning out exactly how we said we didn't want it to turn out. And I'm not mad cause I was saving the, the yeah. champions. And I was like, yeah, this is kind of cool. But by the end I had more time to think about that moment. And I was like, ah, oh, this is really not. What they told us was going to, they said, like you just mentioned that, see what happened a hundred years ago. Well, we actually didn't because it was a totally different, like the timeline didn't add up the timeline of events where they went to get the champions and Link went to get the sword. And now when they're fighting, you know, Calamity again, and none of it added up to what we knew in Breath of the Wild. It's it. So it wasn't what I wanted. I still liked it. It was a really cool moment. Like. Being able to go in there and save your friends and having the new champions showed up. I did like all the interactions. Some of them felt a little bit forced to me. I feel more like, um, I don't know, I kind of I kind of wasn't feeling it from Yonobo and Daruk. Um, I was definitely seeing it from Mifa and Sidon, you know, and Riju was really sweet and how she was, like, afraid because she's a child, but she also really wanted to be strong. And then Taba, who's idolized Rivali his whole life, is kind of seeing him like, oh, what the hell? You're kind of a jerk. <laughs> like, yeah. I thought that was kind of funny. So I did like the moment, and it was cool while I was playing it, but when I had time to think about it, I was just like, you know, this is not what I thought it was going to be because of how it was advertised, and I don't know if I like that. Yeah, I agree. Um, I actually, I I really agree. It's like, it, it's not what we wanted at all, but I was okay with it. Well, like, I should, I should add, too, like, I absolutely love Age of Calamity. I, this game is so fun. It's so good. It's it's so much better than the first Hyrule Warriors that it's not even funny. Um, yeah. But 
but yeah, like while it was happening, I was like, okay, this is awesome. Like uh, it, the new champions are here. I don't have to see um, all of all of my friends like perish fighting the blights because there was a real sense of dread for me when when the calamity struck, and uh, and like the four of them are are basically stranded on their own divine beasts. I was like, oh god, like you know, it's one of those things where it's like I. I want to see it, but I don't want to see it because, you know, I I love these characters. And I didn't think that the game was going to kill off, like, the four playable champions halfway through the game when the Calamity struck. But yeah, I also didn't really think that, like, the new champions were going to come back either. Um, so, I, yeah, I don't know. While it was happening, I thought that it was really cool. And, like, in a... In a way, like, it's really cool, like, in a kind of fan service kind of way. But, I, I mean, I guess we have to shift over to the real crux of the problem here. Is that, you know, Nintendo told us repeatedly over and over again, this is the story that happens 100 years before Breath of the Wild. And Age of Calamity is not that story that happens 100 years before Breath of the Wild. Um, literally nothing about what happens adds up. Because, um, A... The calamity is defeated before it ever really happens. Uh, you know, it comes back. It doesn't. It doesn't overtake Hyrule. Really, uh, Zelda doesn't seal herself away. Link doesn't get you know destroyed and have to go to the Shrine of Resurrection. Um, the Yiga clan turns face and joins the good guys in the battle. Like none of this happened in um, you know in the hundred years prior to Breath of the Wild. So, like I, I do, I do feel like. That was a real, like, it feels like kind of a bait and switch almost, you know, like, come and see what happened 100 years before, but actually this is like a completely separate, like, series of events. And I think that it could have been okay, it could have worked had they tied it together at the end, but they didn't. I got the secret ending last night, and it's it's really nothing, like, there's no spoilers to speak of at all in there either, so it, it kind of... Um, it was awesome to see. It was awesome to watch. I thought that the uh, the moments between each champion, new and old, when when the new champions were going back to their time, were really nice. But like, it's it's just kind of a like an empty experience after because it's like, okay, well, I guess we're done, and Breath of the Wild never needs to happen now because it's been solved. Yeah, I I did consider I think at least two ideas where this was going to be okay with, um, or it would have been okay, like. Like I said, I still like the game, and I really liked what I saw happen and the emotions that stirred up me in me while I was playing. You know, like when you're going to save uh, the champions in those two levels, it plays their themes, like, mm -hmm. super dramatically, and I love that. I thought that was so cool. But, like, I think it would have been, it would have, like, all tied together really well if, you know, at the very beginning, we see Zelda, you know unleash her sealing power for the first time just like we know in breath of the wild and that that's what activates bbg and he goes right. back in time um i think if we had seen up to that point where zelda did that and then saw bbg go back in time and then had this kind of alternate reality happen i think it would have been okay because then we still would have gotten what was advertised plus we would have gotten this like alternate ending which we didn't want, but I would have been okay with because I was like, you know what, this is kind of cool that they that they're like, uh, you got to play the game and you saw how it was supposed to end, and then 
oops, surprise twist, there's a a time-traveling guardian, and you can kind of get an alternate ending. And I think that would have been, um, I think that would have been the best way to go about it. But we only got this alternative thing. Um, Another thing I thought is the theory that I had back when we were talking, speculating, based off the trailers that we were seeing, where it was like a very Infinity War endgame feeling, where they go back in time, but it's a split dimension. You know, instead of like, so now Breath of the Wild has changed, it's a just just a different alternate reality. Yeah. Um, so they exist alongside each other now. Yeah, and, and one of the things that I liked in Endgame is like, there was a way for, I think it was Loki, he he kind of evade, so he died in like the, the main, you know, Marvel Cinematic Universe timeline. But then when they went mm-hmm. back in time to put the stone back, he got the stone and, like, like vanished with it. So, like, he exists in this new... Like, he exists again in the main Marvel timeline, but it's, like, a different version of himself, but it makes sense. And part of me was just like, okay, well, like, when it became apparent that my first theory, where BBG, uh, whose real name is Terrico, by the way, which I have no idea where that came from or anything like that. I don't either. <laughs> Let's talk about that in a minute, actually. Yeah, we will. And I'm going to keep calling him BBG. I ain't calling him Terrico. So when BBG goes backwards in time, my original theory was like, okay, they're pulling a Terminator. They're going to try and, like, not prevent the Calamity from happening, but, like, save the person who will stop the Calamity. So I, this is my original thought, was that BBG was going to go back in time and, like, in the original version of events and, like, the original timeline... Link actually dies on the planes defending Zelda when Zelda finally unlocks her powers. Like, like he's he's dead. So my original thought was that BBG goes back and like does something where he can just barely save his life and like yeah, or maybe he maybe BBG like really quickly teleports him to the Shrine of Resurrection and, and allows him to be saved or something like that. That was my working theory about like how it could make sense to incorporate time travel with this, but. That, that obviously didn't happen. So my second working theory, going back to Loki and Marvel, was that, okay, so maybe what this game is trying to do, because we see the new champions traveling backwards through time, is, like, maybe they're going to bring the old champions with them to, like, the, the quote-unquote Breath of the Wild world. Because, like, these are beloved characters, but they're dead, in in the main timeline in Breath of the Wild, but they're alive in this kind of Age of Calamity timeline. Maybe they're going to pull like a Loki and bring all four champions to the new Breath of the Wild world where now, now you can kind of have your cake and eat it too because the champions, even though they died, are now alive in like the main timeline setting. And, and like, I kind of thought that we might have, I, I actually thought that that's what the secret ending might be. Is like that all of the new champions were going to to come back into the main timeline and and exist. And would that have been kind of a cop out and kind of cheesy? I think so. But I also wouldn't have been mad at that because then at least Age of Calamity would have had consequence and it would have tied into Breath of the Wild or Breath of the Wild Two. So that didn't happen either. Um. So I, yeah, I'm I'm a little bit like I guess at the end of the day. I'm just like, you know, this wasn't this wasn't Endgame so much as it was Captain America Civil War, where like you have this big battle, but at the end of the day, 
nothing's really changed. There's really no consequence for anything that happened and everything is fine. So, and, and this sounds like I'm beating the game up and, I, and I'm not like, I loved it. I did love seeing those, those story moments. Like I, I cheered out loud when fighting clam began and at the very end. And, uh, you know, I, I did love it, but it is like, I, I don't know. It, it makes me feel conflicted because I just, I feel like, like, what was all of this for? Like, yeah, we, we beat Calamity Ganon, but now, like, okay, so now the events of Breath of the Wild never need to happen. The events of Breath of the Wild 2 probably never need to happen. We have the old champions that are fine. We have the new champions that are just going back to this other time. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, if I saw it, you know how uh, Nintendo has the... Uh... The timeline of events, not like the timeline timeline, but the timeline of events in, I think, one of their books, I want to say the encyclopedia or something, um, where it kind of like sh tells what happens. I feel like it's going to have, oh, I hate saying this because I know it's going to trigger some people. They split it, but it's not, it's not like a split timeline, like, like at Ocarina of Time. It's just, like I said, it's the end game split where you kind of have this other line that's happening alongside the original events. But now we don't know where it ends because the original events uh, go to Breath of the Wild and possibly Breath of the Wild 2. But now right. we have these Age of Calamity events that kind of end right there with the new champions going back to their time. Everything's fine in 100 years ago Hyrule. And and then what? You know? Yep. Yep. Um I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like uh, and let's just let's move on and let's talk about it. Like I maybe we we kind of hyped ourselves up here, Allison. But I was expecting in some way for this to either tie in or set up Breath of the Wild 2. And maybe it still does. I don't know, but we they certainly didn't like show any evidence of that. Like I when I heard that there was a secret ending after I beat the game, I was like, "Okay, it's got to be one of two things. One, it's going to be the, the new champ or the old champions going back into like the the Breath of the Wild timeline, so that everybody can exist all in in one again. Or two, it's going to show us like basically it's going to show us like um, a Ganon esque figure that falls on his sword and is basically what we see in the Breath of the Wild two trailer. And of course, none of that really happens. Um, so again, I I think my main thing here is like. I just, I don't know that there was a whole lot of consequence to what actually happened in Age of Calamity. Yeah, I, again, it feels bad because I do like the game, just like you said. It feels bad that I'm, like, criticizing it for these things, but I think it does need to be criticized. I think, I, I don't know how many times I could say this, we were told some one thing and then we got a completely other thing. And it's fine. This other thing is great. I'm grateful for it. But it wasn't what we were told we were going to get. Right. It raised more questions than it answered. It introduced several things that made absolute no sense. They didn't explain them. And we'll talk about them. I'm talking about Aster and whatever the heck Terrico that name is, where it came from, what significance it had. And didn't explain them. Like, it was just like, here you go. Here's this bad guy. Okay, yeah. but what's his backstory? Like... Why is he doing this? He felt like... I'll wait let's, until yeah, we're let's actually just talk talking about, about it. Let's him. just talk about it now. Okay. 
Aster was horrible. He was terrible. Uh, yeah. First of <laughs> all, awful. first of all, every time I say Aster, I think of The Office when Michael Scott is calling Jan's baby Asterd. So I just <laughs> want to call him Asterd every single time I mention his name. But like, okay, so we had this this mystery villain. He's he's mysterious. He kind of looks like Vadi. He kind of looks like Yuga. He, he could be anybody. He's probably the the reason why all the Guardians were getting corrupted. And then to a certain extent, he was. But, like, I, I think we... What is his uh, What is his title? Like, the the prophet the or something? The seer, uh, the dark seer of Calamity Ganon? Something I like that. I that's, think that's about as much information on Astrid as we get throughout this entire game. He's a bad guy? Yes. He is serving Calamity Ganon? Yes. That's it. Who is he? Why is he serving Calamity Ganon? What relevance does he have? He, I, I thought there was a lot of potential for this guy, but all Astrid was was like a generic bad guy for you to face while you're waiting to actually fight Calamity Ganon. Like, he, he didn't make any sense. He just kind of, he showed up. He was really menacing. He cackled a few times, or which was a great cackle, by the way. But he, like, he didn't add anything. You could have been fighting anybody in that role and like you know like i like 70 hours later i don't know who Astard was i don't know where he came from i don't know anything about him i don't know why he reveres calamity again and, and look i know that zelda doesn't present like really really nuanced villains a lot of the time but like come on we can do better than this yeah he was essentially by the end i was like this is a yuga clone like it was Yuga, but without Yuga's kind of story that he had going from him. Not saying that Yuga was really deep or anything like that, but the oh, image of him. Oh, I think he was deeper him, than this. Yeah, he was. The image of Aster standing with his orb is the same image of Yuga standing with his, uh, his like staff and his painting. Um, his cackle sounds exactly the same. His purpose for serving Ganon seems the same where he's just like i'm you know i'm gonna revive ganon and then at the end he gets absorbed by ganon just like yuga did and it it was a clone it was really a clone but it had nothing like it had no depth it had no backstory aster almost wasn't even a person he was just this thing he and was i'm the kind I, i'm the kind of person that really likes villains because i i have the the syndrome where you have sympathy for the villain when you hear their backstory and you're kind of like oh that kind of makes sense like even Thanos makes sense to me and has some logic to him so I really like getting to know villains because you love to hate them and you're like you know they actually kind of make a little bit of sense but this guy he like he was all face value he had nothing yeah I was pretty disappointed <laughs> I mean yeah right like like I, I love a mysterious bad guy I love it but yeah. eventually you got to peel back the layers and show like like the motivations or the the reasoning behind these characters doing what they did like there is just there is nothing of substance to Aster and I you know I feel again I I feel like it could have been anybody in that role and like it it there was nothing that Aster added to anything that really made him essential to the story like like you couldn't have Majora's Mask without Skull Kid, right? Like, you couldn't have uh, Ocarina of Time without Ganondorf. You you couldn't have Skyward Sword without Girahim. Like, these are these are villains that, well, yes, a lot of them 
um, are are more one dimensional. They still have motivations that you can understand. Skull Kid just wants to cause chaos, or Majora wants to cause chaos because that's his inherent like that's what he's created for. Uh, Girahim wants to revive demise, and you know, I I mean that's his, again his sole purpose, what he's created for. Um, Vadi, he was he was an apprentice, and he he thought that he was greater than his teacher, and he wanted to show that. So like. All of these villains, they're not, like, in-depth characters, but, like, you they at least have something driving them. And, like, you know, you kind of said it. Like, like Astrid wants to revive Calamity Ganon, which is fine. But then, like, when Calamity Ganon comes back, he seems, like, really worried and, and like, as he's getting absorbed, kind of like, oh, no, like, he's he's absorbing me. I thought that he was basically, like, uh, the discount version of Girahim, actually, with, like, none of the sizzle of Girahim. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I was I was expecting... Um, I mean, look, like, we all knew that Calamity Ganon was going to come back and be the final boss of this game, right? Like, in some form or fashion. Yeah, um, right. but yeah I, I was expecting something out of Aster, like, something a little bit more substantial, like, maybe, again, just some, like, just some, like, consequence or... or something to him you know and I feel like he was just like he he was like when you're when you're playing a video game and you go to create a character and you're just like okay create me a really villainous looking guy that we're gonna fight a couple times before the real villain comes in and I feel like that was Aster it and it sucked too because when you grab the master sword and you have a fight with him he was awesome like I really enjoyed that boss fight it felt great and I was expecting for his story to kind of unravel in the next few chapters, and it just didn't. You don't know why he joined up with the Yiga. You don't know why the heck he needed all those blood sacrifices he was doing at one point in the Hyrule Field, you know, sucking the soul out of these Yiga clan guys. You don't know about that. You don't even see him kill Suga. It's just implied that he killed Suga, you know? And then at the end, he's like, I don't even know what he said. He was just like, yeah, I'm Calamity Ganon's guy. This is my destiny. I'm his right hand. And then he gets absorbed and he's like shocked for some reason. Like, yeah. <laughs> and Bro, this is what you wanted. There was no explanation. There was no rhyme or reason. He was just there. And I hated that. If I had any complaint about this game, because I still like it and we are criticizing it. But my real complaint, the thing that I didn't like was Aster. Yeah, he was um, he was probably the weakest part of the story for me as well. Like uh, the the whole ending, actually, I thought was really weak. But at least I liked it. Like I yeah. I think that we can I think that we can say this. Like we like I like the story, but I don't like how it played out. I think that you can say those two things, and both of them are true. I yeah. like this as a self contained story game, like a what if scenario in an alternate reality everything could have been avoided and everything could have been saved. And if Nintendo would have said like, like if they would have marketed this instead of like, come view the events of a hundred years prior, if they would have said instead, like come view the events as they could have been, if things had been different or like something like that. Right. So I think that you can say that you like the story, but you don't like the direction of the story at the same time. And both of them are true because I mean, yeah, we're beating up on the game's story, but I think that there are things that deserve to be beat up on, especially given how Nintendo chose to market this game. Um, Let's talk about... You mentioned the Yiga clan here. Let's talk about them for a second. One of the things that also really stuck out to me 
was when Master Koga joined your party. Uh, that, that to me seemed really, really out of left field because you have the, uh, you have like the dissension going on between Aster and, uh, Suga and the rest of the Yiga clan. And maybe I just kind of missed that scene that you just mentioned where it's implied that he, uh, killed Suga, but I never got that. And so I was just like, oh, like Suga's just disappeared and, and he ain't coming back. And, uh, I guess Koga's going to join the the good guys which just seemed so like out of character to me that 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 one actually stuck out to me as just really really odd i thought so there is this cutscene if you missed it it makes more sense where um y- the yiga clan basically joined them it's where uh aster he's like doing these weird blood rituals or whatever and suga's just like kind of fed up at this point and he's like yo you don't make any sense dude you're taking our men I'm going to fight you. And he tells Master Koga to go, but Master Koga's like, nah, you're my buddy. I'm going to fight with you. And it was kind of a sweet moment. But then Sugo's like, okay, well, I'm going to defend you with my life. And then it cuts out from there. So it just implies that Suga was killed by Aster. And that's why Master Koga was like, yo, that's messed up. Um, I need to go join the good guys to avenge my friend, basically. Right. So what, did, what did you I, think of Koga as a, as a good guy? You know what? I <laughs> I really liked when you were like if you played as Link and you happened to get around him while he was fighting and he goes, "Link, old buddy, get me out of this mess." <laughs> I was like that is so, that's like gold right there. I love that part. And you know, it totally makes sense for Master Koga to just be so flip-floppy like that. It's just his character. So, I get it. But again, here's another thing. It's like it doesn't explain how Master Koga is alive, I know you said that maybe Master Koga is just a name that gets passed down, but, like, it just feels like it's the character from Breath of the Wild, and they just threw him in Age of Calamity, and it doesn't explain why he's there. Yeah, I mean, that that one is actually one of the least of my concerns, because if, if you were to tell me that, like, okay, the Yiga clan just have really long life, I'd be like, okay, that's fine. I, I don't need anything beyond that. I can I can accept that. Um, I don't know. Something was maybe it's just because I don't really like Master Koga. Although he was pretty funny, like when he actually like joined your team because he's just like such a schmo. But like yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It just it seemed it seemed odd to me because it was such like a like a serious moment when he came and and bent the knee to Zelda, and and that's probably exactly what they were going for. Um, I don't know. It just kind of stuck out to me. Uh, let's, yeah, let's move I, on here. Sorry, I'll go ahead. Finish, finish your thought. I was gonna say I did like the moment where you know King Rome is back and all that kind of stuff, and him and Zelda reuniting. And freaking Koga's back oh. there crying his eyes out. He's like, <laughs> I'm like, these were your enemies. You were trying to kill them yourself, and now you're crying because they're reuniting. I, he's just such a goofy dude. That that was actually pretty hilarious. I loved that, and and you were you're reading my mind because that's exactly where I was going next was King Rome. Yeah. Um, so again, uh, I was I, I think that we were all expecting that King Rome was gonna bite the dust in this game, but you know what? So the thing is, is that it, Age of Calamity sort of kind of gave itself away in a sense because like I I think that like just by watching the like the trailers and if you were paying attention you're like okay i think that king rome is a playable character for sure yeah and yeah, he's sure. like 
he's one of the last characters that you unlock in the game. Um, he might even be the last character you unlock in the main story. But um, so he's one of the last characters that you unlock in the game. And so when when midway through the game he's about to die, I was just like, uh, I don't know. I feel like maybe I, th I think he's coming back. And I thought that maybe he would come back as like a ghost form, like like the old man, like in Breath of the Wild. But I was pretty sure that he was coming back. So I wasn't like entirely shocked actually to see that he was still alive. Um, but I yeah I don't know. It, it, it's again one of those things where like we have these great moments in what could have been the end of King Rome and uh, it, they kind of undercut that by, by having him come back. Although I, I truly really loved the scene with, um, with him and Zelda. And when he was just kind of like saying like, I'm sorry that I was such a jerk and, and whatever. Um, I, I know you're not the biggest fan of King Rome, but I, I thought that this was a really, really good scene. And even if it, like, even if it doesn't make sense in the context of the story of Breath of the Wild, uh, th I thought that this this really worked for me. And yeah, Koga crying in the background was good stuff. Yeah, that was that was comedy gold. I I'm still not a fan of Rome, even with I, like I did feel that heartfelt moment between him and Zelda, and I get it. It was great. You know, it was what was needed. But the thing is that when you see those um, memories of Zelda from being a child and still having this behavior from her father, like taking Teriko away and everything, I yeah. I don't think that one little sorry is going to forgive years of emotional abuse. I'm sorry. I just, I think his behavior is just not okay up until that point. And I get it. He's a king. His daughter's supposed to save the world and she's not unlocking her power. But the thing is that, and I saw this in this game, not in Breath of the Wild, but I saw it more in this game, is that Zelda was very desperate to get that power. She wanted to protect her people. She wanted to protect her friends. And she was trying really hard. And even though things weren't working, she was trying to find an alternative. And he wasn't accepting that. And I just, I, I don't care for that. So Right. I understood the moment and it was good and I did kind of tear up and Master Koga made me laugh. When I got him as a playable character, he, you know, he's kind of slow like Daruk and actually it's kind of funny because the whole old man thing, I have like this really irrational anger towards him because my friends like, it's just, it's a dumb joke. But basically when I saw that you could transform into the old man, I was like, this is so stupid. <laughs> like... Oh, come on. That was great. <laughs> I just thought that was so dumb. But oh my god. I just think I have this like irrational hatred towards him, so I'm sorry for that. But on the plus side, like the bonus side, I did connect with Zelda a lot in this game and it made me like her so much more. I wasn't the biggest biggest fan of her from Breath of the Wild, but even if the story isn't what we wanted and what we knew was gonna happen, I think it still got Zelda's feelings across really well and her struggle and i really appreciated that because it made me connect with her character so much more i i thought that zelda the character was fantastic in this game like, yeah like fantastic I agree. um for, for, like everything about zelda like, particularly the the speech that she gave when she finally unlocked her powers and like king rome is is you know presumed dead and she kind of takes charge i i thought that that was fantastic um I, I thought that, and I'm not just shilling because we've got uh, a guest next week, but I thought that the voice acting was spectacular for Zelda in this game, actually. And, like, really, really on point. It really 
she felt like the hero to me in this game. And I, I think that they did yeah. a really, really great job with her um, in this game. I loved the scene where she unlocked her powers too, because it was, again, it was a, it was kind of a scene akin to Breath of the Wild where Link is, is basically fighting an unwinnable fight and she comes in and like, it, that's what triggers her divine powers unlocking. I thought, I thought that that scene was great. I, I did too. And in the original, in Breath of the Wild, I didn't really care for it because it just made me think, oh, she's unlocking her powers for her love for Link, and that's the only person she's trying to protect in that moment. But in this game, it really felt like it was more like she's protecting her friends, she's protecting her people, she's protecting Hyrule. And just because it happened, because Link was fighting those blights, I just I feel like it was a culmination of events rather than in Breath of the Wild, you could see that she develops feelings for Link's and she wants to save him. You know, mm -hmm. so I just I I felt like there was more depth to Zelda in this game. And if anything, if I got anything that I wanted, it was that where I was able to connect more with this character. And and I just I really appreciated that because it turned it, the game at least turned me around on a few characters that I didn't connect with before with Zelda and Mipha, etc. So right. there there's at least that. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I, I thought that she was great. The only thing that I think was missing a little bit is in Breath of the Wild, you kind of see the resentment that Zelda has for Link, and you, yeah. you don't really see that a whole lot in this game. I thought that, that was a nice touch in Breath of the Wild, actually, to to kind of add, like, a, a character flaw to Zelda. Um, because, you know, she's always presented as this, like, immaculate princess that can do no wrong, right? Like, she, she is, like, very you know, a noble person and to, to see her with that kind of flaw, um, in Breath of the Wild, I thought was nice. Although she's still like, you know, I, I do like that this version of Zelda just like can't unlock her powers and like, she's not presented as like this, this like omnipotent figure as she often is in other games. So I, I think that that worked. And there was a lot of like really great scenes, um, between like her and her Bosa, her and Impa, um, so yeah, I, I thought that Zelda was like really, really good in this game, actually. Um, all right, let's uh, let's move on and let's talk about Terrico, aka BBG. And while we're here, we'll talk about uh, Dark Terrico or Dark. What do they call this thing? Harbinger Ganon. Harbinger Calamity Ganon. All right. So this is another thing where I'm just like, okay, what is this? <laughs> and don't get me wrong, I love, I love BBG. I think he's super adorable. I unlocked him uh, last night, and I was playing with him, and he is just super fantastic. By the way, I want to give myself a pat on the back because way back when I was thinking, I was, I was saying that we would unlock a guardian to play as in Hyrule Warriors: Age of Calamity, and we totally did. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I really love BBG, but just like in the context of the story, what is he? And like. There's this, there's such a can of worms that opens up when you, when you realize that like, okay, this, this little guardian is capable of time travel. Like, did anybody know that? Obviously not, or else he wouldn't have been locked away in, in a chest for like 15 years. And like, does, like, so obviously Zelda's power is awakening, also awakened Terrico. Is he inherently tied to, to her or something like that? And, and we see a bunch of times like Zelda's tears will will cause Terrico to, you know, to do do things and play songs and, and different things. But, like, I just, I still never got, like, the real sense of, like, 
what is he like who who created him why is he unique among these guardians like what uh, who what is he and i don't know maybe i just wasn't paying enough attention or maybe i'm focusing on something that doesn't really matter but that was kind of my my thought where it's like okay if we have this like super powerful guardian capable of traveling through time why are we just learning about him now like why wouldn't why wouldn't this guardian immediately be a huge factor into the events of breath of the wild assuming that you know he i mean he is from the breath of the wild timeline so i i don't know it's just it's very weird to me yeah i agree um I have a lot of feelings about BBG and it's kind of funny because I find parallels to him with Baby Yoda. If anybody knows me, I'm like a huge Baby Yoda, the Mandalorian fan. And Baby Yoda, I won't say the name, but Baby Yoda got his name reveal a couple weeks ago. And I was just like, oh, this feels exactly the same. Like I just learned the, I learned BBG, Baby Guardian's name (laughs) in the same way that I kind of learned Baby Yoda's name. But I'll still call it BBG and Baby Yoda. So <laughs> moving on from that, I like, I really liked him and I wanted, I liked that he had this connection to Zelda. But again, it's like Aster where you introduce this thing and then you don't give it that much of a backstory. And it's kind of just depressing because you want to know more about it. Like clearly Zelda has a connection with Teriko and her mom. Like, the three of them are kind of intertwined in some way because there is that memory of her her mom briefly. And then... Right. And so she definitely has that connection with that. And then, I don't know, Teriko had... When he starts playing Zelda's lullaby, gets me every time. The first time I was like, oh, God, my heart. That was, like, perfect. But we don't know why he knows that song. Is he the one who created that song for her? Did he used to be just kind of, like... Was he just her friend when she was little? Was he like her, like watching after her, kind of like a nanny or something when she was little or what? Like, why was I, he I kind of thought maybe Zelda's mom hummed that song to Zelda and he was recreating that. But I mean, you're right. That, they don't explain that. Yeah, that would make sense to me. And I don't know. I don't think they knew he could time travel. I don't think they knew that until she saw that light flash up from him after the calamity struck and she knew the guardians were stuck in their divine beast. I think that's when she knew that he had a special power. I don't think anybody knew about it before. Otherwise Rome definitely wouldn't have taken him away. He would have used it like as a weapon. So I, I understood those things. It's just that again, there's no explanation. And I had to assume myself that the, the harbinger is BBG in, um, this is so in hard the age to of calamity timeline. Yeah, the age of calamity timeline where the and it's not BBG that went to the past, but the one that's not being used right now. But right. where the heck did where the heck did Aster get him from if he's supposed to be in Zelda study? Like it doesn't they don't explain these things that they introduce and I feel like that was a little bit more frustrating than Breath of the Wild cuz I could infer a lot more from Breath of the Wild with the information they gave us. They did not give us barely anything to go on in Age of Calamity, as far as yeah. these characters go. So I, I have a couple thoughts here that I'm just going to rapid fire off about Terrico and, and everything. First of all, the thing that, that really sticks out to me is like Age of Calamity waits a long time to tell you that this thing is named Terrico. Like it, and it almost feels like this should be a big reveal, but like it's just some random name. It, it'd be like 
this thing's name is Edward. And you're like, okay, great. Like, why? Why, like I guess why, like, why keep it a secret? Why weren't we just calling him Terrico? Like, why didn't they name him like right away? Um, to, to me that just, it felt, it felt odd. And I, I, and I don't know why we were keeping that a secret. Like, it's not a spoiler. It's not like, uh, it's not like the thing's name is Ganon or something like that. Right. Or, or something like along those lines. So that one stuck out to me, um, as being kind of off. Another thing that really stuck out to me about Terrico, and this is kind of a positive for Terrico and another negative for Aster, is like, you can really buy and really believe the relationship between Zelda and Terrico. And I think that Age of Calamity had an opportunity to turn Aster into like the dark mirror image of Zelda because he has the relationship with the the dark Terrico or like the malice Terrico. And they don't really do that. In fact, you don't really see like the, the dark version of Terrico until like literally the end of the game. Like you kind of see him here and there, but you don't really know what he's doing or why he's important or like whatever, right? Like you can, the game kind of tells you that that this version, the Malice version of Terrico also is able to tell Aster the future and the past and stuff like that. But then like they just, Aster completely doesn't use it to his advantage at all. Like he's just like, He's like, oh, okay, Calamity Ganon comes back. So, like, I'm, I'm probably good. And then that's it. And I, I think that, like, the more successful the bond was between Zelda and Terrico, the the worse that Aster looked to me um, in retrospect. And Harbinger Ganon, which is actually kind of a cool idea to have, like, these, these conflicting little robots that can control time, which is actually another way how Nintendo could have gotten around the... Um, like, they could have had their cake and eaten it, too, if they had another, like, time-traveling guardian that was working for the bad guys where, like, you know, all of the heroes could have could have come in and saved the day or whatever, and then in the last scene, we still could have got the the bad BBG, I don't know, maybe, maybe time-traveling and shifting something around, like, all the champions got, like, snuck attack by the, uh, by the blights from the future, whatever, right? Like, like, I think that there is a way to do that, and I feel like they really didn't utilize the dark version of Terrico. They didn't utilize Aster at all very much. So, yeah, lots of um, lots of questions there. And, and I thought that, like, I mean, so the other question, too, is, like, is Terrico... Good? Because Terrico and the Age of Calamity timeline is actually from the Breath of the Wild timeline. So when the new champions go back, by rights, Terrico should have went back as well. But he doesn't. So, I don't know. There's lots of, like... I mean, anytime you get time travel involved, there's lots of shenanigans, but this one felt extra shenanigany to me. <laughs> yeah, I I agree. There there's stuff that I really liked about Terrico. There's there's a couple of things that I liked about Aster. Like, don't get me wrong, I think that having them there was great. It's just I wish we could have gotten a little bit more explanation. I'd really like to talk about next is Calamity Ganon. And how this is the version we should have had in Breath of the Wild. Oh my god. Uh, my god. Absolutely. Like night and day. So I under I once I saw um Calamity Ganon or the Harbinger absorb Aster, I understood Calamity Ganon from Breath of the Wild a little bit more. He didn't have a body. So he was just this mass of things that made him look like that weird creepy centipede robot. And 
so it made more sense why he looked that way, but he was still underwhelming. The giant pig, even like I liked the way he looked, um, the boar and stuff, the malice and that kind of thing. But the fight was like really underwhelming. I I think that design was good. I really liked that part. But the calamity Ganon part, where he's that weird creepy robot thing, I didn't like that. So it made more sense that after absorbing Aster's body, he did seem to have a a form that looked more like Ganon, Ganondorf, whatever. In fact, I actually got vibes of, I can't remember which version of Majora's Mask, but that version where he gets all muscly and stuff and looks all creepy. Oh, Majora's Wrath. Yeah. Yes. I made, I thought that those two looked a lot similar in this Age of Calamity version of Calamity Ganon, but that fight was good. That was like, it still had a culmination of all the things that I had seen in the game up until that point. So you knew that you were using all your skills to fight him. Um, I really liked the part where you couldn't hit him at first. And I was just like, ooh, he is powerful. Like, I can't even touch him. So that part was cool. Um, it just, it was like the version we should have had in Breath of the Wild. Because he wasn't, like, it was, it, the version in Breath of the Wild was just underwhelming. And it kind of just sucked and it was like, bleh. But this version was really cool, really epic looking. And definitely very imposing as i've said on the show a million times as how a villain should be yeah yeah you took the words out of my mouth it uh, this version of calamity ganon was so so awesome he was so awesome he looks awesome that was an incredible fight at the end like uh, that the final fight with calamity ganon in this game was just like it's probably up there for me with some of my favorite Zelda final boss fights. It was so intense. There's so much going on. The music was reaching a crescendo. It was it was just like it was incredible. I I thought that it was so so awesome. Um actually I I thought that the whole final scene at Hyrule Castle was awesome. Like, you know, we we've kind of been dumping on you know, the the time travel shenanigans and the and the new champions coming back and saving the old champions. However, take all that out as a moment, this was absolutely incredible when all the divine beasts were were kind of showing up to save everyone. Like you had this just like amazing showdown in Hyrule Castle. This is exactly what I mean when I can say or when I say that like you can love the story but also not like the story, and both of them can be true. Because while this is happening, I mean this was just so so awesome. Um, and yeah, Calamity Ganon. Good God, he looks he looks great. He looks absolutely great, and it's probably because. They needed him to be a little bit more humanoid because you, you know, you unlock him as a playable character, um, which makes sense. But man, you look at you look at this, and you look at whatever the hell that that janky calamity Ganon from Breath of the Wild was, and like it's not even close. It's so, it's so good. He at, at the same time, calamity Ganon manages to look like demise, like Majora's Wrath, like Ganondorf. And like Calamity Ganon all at once. Like he he just he looks spectacular. It was a spectacular fight. I thought that this was like just such a incredibly well done sequence. Yeah, one one hundred percent agree. It it's like you know, you you hear about or you see in movies or you read in books when somebody the heroes go back and take the castle or take the fort or whatever from after having such a like a loss which you know was when they took when calamity again took the castle in the first place and it's just so epic and it's just like 
top tier fantasy level it's great and I thought I I also really appreciated it I appreciated it more too because I was dying the whole time I had no health left I had no apples left I had nothing to help me and I was desperate so I was constantly shifting through my characters I had my my link and my Rivali I actually picked Mifa too because she is fast and once I got used to her character I did like fighting as her so I had mm -hmm. Mifa as well and Zelda with her new um fighting style with her uh ceiling power so i had them and i was constantly shifting through them so that i wouldn't die i was so afraid that i was gonna die and i just think that just added to the moment because you're in such peril and this is it this is where it's like make a break you have to win or else you know hyrule is lost and so i it just all of that put together it was a great culmination of the story and i agree this is this is something that i really liked because at this point, I was like, okay, we're in this story that I didn't want, but we're here now, so I'm going to enjoy it as it is. And I, and I did. It was it was fantastic. Yeah, that's a that's a great way to put it. It's not it's not what we wanted, but for what we were getting, it was it was awesome. Um, yeah. All right, I'm I'm almost debating if we should save this for just an entirely new show down the line, but maybe let's let's talk about it just for a brief second, Allison. Um, of course, we've we've got some timeline business to talk about here. Um, the Zelda series is notorious for creating different timelines and having all these different you know versions of events. So it looks to me like we kind of have obviously branching timelines here. One where the hero is actually defeated, which I do at least appreciate because you know I always hated that timeline coming from Ocarina of Time because I never lost to Ganon, but. If you were to tell me that the hero was defeated in Breath of the Wild, okay, I can believe that because we see Link actually, like, basically die. So we have that timeline where, you know, the events of Breath of the Wild take place. And if Age of Calamity is going to be a canon game and not exist in a bubble, which I think, you know, still could be a possibility, but if it's a canon game, we now have a new timeline where the heroes have won and Calamity Ganon is no longer a threat. So I do think that it's kind of it's kind of neat in a sense because if you get the secret ending of Breath of the Wild, you you repair Terrico, he comes back to life and theoretically he should be aware of both timelines, the one where, you know, the Breath of the Wild timeline and the Age of Calamity timeline. So it kind of makes you wonder where Breath of the Wild 2 is going to fall if it's going to fall in the Breath of the Wild timeline or if it's going to continue after Age of Calamity. In which case, there's no Calamity Ganon to fight. So, like, who are you going after? So, there's there's lots to unpack there. Um, I guess, like, just on the base level, Al, did you? I, I mean, I think we, I think both of us would have probably preferred this to just be one continual timeline, continual story. But do you at least like have kind of any hope to uh, that this dual timeline business could could play out in a satisfactory way? Um, honestly, I still just want Breath of the Wild 2 to directly follow Breath of the Wild. I don't know if I want it to have anything to do with Age of Calamity. Uh, <laughs> I, that sounds sad, but, like, I'm okay with Age of Calamity being its own bubble, being its own alternate reality, being its own thing, and still thinking of it as canon because, you know, we've been given the split timeline excuse before, we can use it again, it's fine, I'm okay with that. I just don't want the events in there to mess with Breath of the Wild 2 and how I think it's going to go. However, 
it's very clear to me that I've thought things about Breath of the Wild before it came out. I thought things about Age of Calamity before I came out, and I've been totally wrong. So, yeah. I could think one thing, and they'll give me another thing. And I promise you I will still enjoy it because it's Zelda, and that Zelda is my passion, and I still love Age of Calamity, even though we kind of said a lot of things we didn't like about it. And I still love Breath of the Wild, even though I have some issues with it too. So, I will love it either way. Yeah, and I mean, I don't think that we were being unfair, especially given how the right. game was marketed. Um, right. Like, I, I kind of liken, I liken this to the Resident Evil movies that we've been covering over on Virtual Theater. Like, they aren't the movies that I want. Like, when I think of a Resident Evil movie, I want a scary horror kind of a movie. And the movies that we get are these over-the-top, ridiculous action, cheesy movies and you know what? They're not what I want, but for what they are, they're pretty good. And I think that Age of Calamity was far better than pretty good. It was an exceptional, exceptional game. And uh, while it didn't tell the story that I think you or I wanted, um, it, it did tell, it, it told a really great story that when looked at in a bubble is probably up there with some of the best stories ever told in the Zelda series. I think all the cutscenes were exceptionally done. I think I think to a person, all, all the voice acting was great. I know some people out there disagree, but I think that it was great. And, um, you know, my, my biggest critique would be is that it doesn't really have consequence for the next game, which is probably like something that I created as, and I'm a victim of my own expectations here. But, you know, I, I think that those expectations weren't unfounded based on the the, the marketing that Nintendo gave us. Yeah. So, you know, and, and we still have, there's still a ton of questions that uh, we don't have answers to based off of the ending of this game. Um, we don't know if this game is, is even canon in the Zelda series or if it's just an offshoot kind of thing. We don't know if, if Terrico is going to be one and done or if he might show up in Breath of the Wild 2. Um, but you know what? I, I think as a self-contained gaming experience i loved the story as it relates to the larger legend of zelda series as a whole um i thought i thought it was a mess yeah i that's that's a perfectly apt way of putting it i i agree with all that it's a mess but it's okay if it's on its own <laughs> well uh there it is any uh any final thoughts um, before we get out of here, Allison, we're, we're not done talking about the story of Age of Calamity, obviously, but we are out of time for today. Um, anything else you want to add before we jam on out of here? Um, no, not that I can think of in this moment, but I agree. There's still so much that we could talk about. So for now, like, like I said, I did really like the game. I finished it and I felt a sense of uh, completion and it was great. And I I really like that there's still more that I can play with all these side quests and stuff. I personally haven't unlocked the final uh, cutscene, so I still have that to look forward to. So I at least appreciate that too as as I finish the story, that I still have more to do. Well, there you go. Uh, we're going to have tons of more Age of Calamity content coming your way in the, uh, in the coming weeks here. Um, next week, we've got a, a big one here. We're, we're sitting down with Patricia Somerset, the voice of Princess Zelda. So she's going to talk to us all about uh, the process of making Age of Calamity and, and everything that went into that. Uh, the week after that, Allison and I are going to be breaking down 
every single playable character in Age of Calamity will tell you what we liked, what we didn't like. And uh, the week after that, we are going to go Cyberpunk in honor of Cyberpunk 2077 coming out. We're going to talk about how a Cyberpunk Legend of Zelda game could work. And I'm, I'm pretty fired up about that because I'm, I'm big into that. So uh, lots of great stuff coming your way. Uh, we want to thank you guys for listening today and remind you guys that you can check us out over on Spotify and iTunes, Podbean, you know, the drill wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, leave us a five-star review if you think we've earned it. We would really love that and appreciate that. And lastly, give us a follow over on Twitter. I am at Spateri316 and Allison is at Allison Aletha. That's it. That's all. Don't forget to tune in next week. 